right. There we see what Christmas is all about. But isn't it funny, though, how, how our Christmas celebrations do get so sidetracked from the focus on Christ? I mean, we as a church during this Christmas season are focusing on Christ. And that seems like a no-brainer because um, churches should focus on Christ during Christmas. Yet at the same time, we all know that as we go through the Christmas season, even though we know the focus should be on Christ, it's so easy to get caught up in so many other things besides focusing in on Christ during that Christmas season. I mean, some of the things are just hilarious, kind of like the things we saw up there. I mean, some are just traditions that we have that get built up through the years that, in reality, they really don't draw us that close to Christ. But our focus this Christmas is on how can we focus in on Christ as individuals and as a church. Our our series title through the next four weeks is called Keeping the X in Xmas. Now, you may think, okay, that sounds really counterproductive because isn't the X in Xmas kind of counter— isn't that kind of against keeping Christ in Christmas? A lot of people think so, but when you look historically, uh, the X in Xmas actually is not anti-Christian. I mean, you definitely will find some people today who do want to say Xmas rather than Christmas because they don't want to say Christ. Or you'll find people who want to say Happy Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings rather than Merry Christmas. But down through history, the X that we see in Xmas actually does stand for Christ. Uh, For instance, back right around the time of Christ, the common language throughout the world, or throughout that part of the world, was Greek. In Greek, Christ was the word Christos. The first letter in that word was a Greek letter, Ki. We English speakers oftentimes pronounce it Chi, but it looks like an X. And so from basically the time of Christ on, this key that looks like an X was used as an abbreviation for the name of Christ. As people would be, as Christians would write letters to one another, they'd use that key by itself to stand for Christ. You'd sometimes see it when people were copying scripture. And one of the other common ways that was used was in a series of letters called the ichthus. Ichthus is also Greek for fish. Uh, You may see on the back of some Christians' cars, a Jesus fish. Sometimes in the middle of it, it has five Greek letters. And these five Greek letters stand for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Well, the Greek letter for Christ is that, is that key. It looks like an X. And so down through the years, um, this key, this X-looking figure, was used to symbolize Christ. And then about 900 years ago, it made the jump from Greek into English, um, where the X would stand for Christ. We see it, for instance, in X-I-A-N, which stands for Christian, or X-M-A-S, Christmas, Xmas. Um, so down through the years, this X or this key has stood for Christ. And so when we talk about keeping the X in Xmas, it's really just a memorable way of saying we want to keep our focus on Christ during this Christmas season. But there are many things that can distract us from Christ. And through as we're talking about keeping Christ in Christmas, we're not talking about politically wanting to fight the battle of Christmas, Merry Christmas versus Season's Greetings or something like that. There definitely are a lot of people who want to fight that battle. Over these next few weeks, we are not talking about that issue. Not talking about the political issue. Instead, we're talking about the personal issues that we face of all the distractions that can pull our attention away from Christ during the Christmas season. I want you to think for a second in your mind, what if I were to ask you to write three words that best describe your month of December? Three words that describe December for you. What would those three words be? 
I bet that for the vast majority of us, one of those words would probably be the word busy, or at least some word that's related to being busy. Busyness is something that characterizes um, our Christmas celebrations so often where we get caught up in so many different things that are going on during the Christmas season. For many of us, busyness may be the number one uh, descriptor of the way that we celebrate Christmas. December and Christmas time is a time to be busy. But one of the problems is that busyness can oftentimes take our focus off of Christ. It distracts us from focusing on Christ. It's commonly said that if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. Oftentimes, being busy can distract us from Christ just as much as living a a really blatantly sinful lifestyle can. Because when we're busy, we're pulled in so many different directions, but we're distracted from focusing on what's most important. The devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So today we're talking about this topic of busyness. How can we counteract that pull towards being busy so that we can keep our focus on Christ during the Christmas season? I invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you didn't bring a Bible with you but would like to follow along, you can grab one from the pew or the chair in front of you. We're going to be looking at Luke 10 verses 38 through 42 today. And in this passage, it's not typically a Christmas passage, so to say, but it's a passage that has a lot of relevance for us as we are in the busiest of all seasons of the year, the Christmas season. In this passage, we're going to meet two sisters. One sister is going to show us what oftentimes happens when we allow ourselves to get caught up in busyness. And the other sister is going to show us a model of how we can focus on Christ, even in the midst of a very busy schedule. Uh, So as we turn our eyes to this passage, will you please pray with me that God will be preparing our hearts. Lord, we recognize that It's so easy to live busy lives. It's so easy to get caught up in so many things we have going on, especially during this Christmas season. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll help us to set aside the distractions, um, even things that we may have going on later in the day, Lord. Help us to leave those things for then and during this time, Lord, to focus on you and focus on how we can put aside the busyness that so oftentimes stresses us out and distracts us from you. So, Lord, we ask for your guidance now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read this short passage beginning in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, where Luke says, As Jesus and and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what we see here is what could be called a sister's twisted priorities. I want to focus first on Martha. Uh, She's the one with the twisted priorities here. Jesus has come to her house, and that would be quite an honor. Jesus, by this time, has gained quite a reputation as a wise teacher, as a miracle worker. Uh, He has quite a following, uh, just following around from village to village. And here comes Jesus to the house of Martha. And Martha, I mean, that would be a huge honor. And she sets about to prepare a meal for him, to welcome him, to honor him, uh, for them to eat together. But the meal in that culture would be quite an undertaking. Uh, She wouldn't be able to just pull something out of the freezer and pop it in the microwave and have a nice meal 10 minutes later. 
Although, I think in our culture too, if you try to cook a meal in a microwave in 10 minutes, it's probably not going to be the best meal in the world. But from, for Martha, there's no way she could do that. Uh, they didn't even have much in the way of refrigeration. She, in order to prepare this meal, would have had to, to work the, the bread, the dough for the bread. She would have had to bake the bread uh, and then cut it and get it ready. She would have had to make sure that the animal was slaughtered and then prepared for cooking. She would have had to cook it and, and do all the seasoning and stuff like that. She would have had to get the vegetables and would have had to boil those and prepare those. It was quite an undertaking. I mean, her method of cooking was not a gas or an electric stove either. It was a fire. And so this would have been a multi-hour process of preparing a meal for Jesus. But in the midst of it, something happens. We see here in verse 40, that says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. I mean, she was making these preparations for the meal, which is a good thing to do. It's a very hospitable thing that honors Jesus. But in the midst of it, she loses sight of what's most important. She gets so focused in on the busyness of the preparations that she forgets the reason why she's doing it in the first place, which is to honor Jesus. She gets distracted by all of her preparations. And look at what happens next. She comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I mean, look at the effects of Martha's busyness here. One, she gets frustrated with, with her sister Mary. She comes to Jesus and says, look, Mary's lazy over there. You need to tell her to get into the kitchen and help me out. I mean, she's frustrated with her sister, and that's a very common response. When we are busy with something and we're getting stressed out, and we see someone else who isn't really helping very much, we think they should come help us. And that's what Martha's doing with Mary. She's saying, Jesus, tell Mary to come help me. But then at the same time, we see that Martha's really getting frustrated with Jesus, too. You can kind of hear the edge in her voice when she says, Lord, don't you care? I mean, at the end, she tells him, tell Mary to help me. I mean, that's pretty, pretty bold, don't you think, that she's coming to Jesus, God come to earth in the form of a human being, and telling Jesus what he needs to tell her sister? I mean, but that's what frustration does. That's what happens as she's getting busy and getting distracted from the main goals of what she's doing. And it's really all a result of stress in her life. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. See, when we get distracted, when we get super busy, oftentimes that leads to a lot of stress. It lead, leads us to impatience towards others, as Martha is experiencing. And stress, as we know, leads us to many other unhealthy things as well. Um, stress can lead to sleeplessness. Stress can lead to ulcers or other medical problems, high blood pressure, for instance. Stress can lead to behaviors that are compulsive or addictive. Stress and the busyness that lead to stress lead to a lot of really negative things in life. But that's what happens when we allow ourselves to get overly busy and, and get distracted with things that aren't the most important thing. So Martha is a sister who has some seriously twisted priorities here. Now, as we zoom out and look at our world today, we need to recognize that we face a lot of challenges similar to what Martha's facing. That we live in a world that's really a Martha sort of world that is incredibly busy. And one, we, we, especially here in our American culture, have a significant pressure to be busy. That there's an implicit expectation that we're going to be busy if we really want to be significant in our lives. For instance, if you have children, you probably face a pressure um, that they will be involved in extracurricular activities at school, that during the summer they're going to be in summer school, 
not only will they be in summer school, but they need to go to the summer camps. They'll need to be involved in a lot of social things with friends. There will be a pressure if you have children that they will be busy with things, which will make you busy as well. Odds are good that if you work somewhere, you probably have a pressure from your workplace to be busy as well. Not only busy in your normal job hours, but if there's a need for overtime, there's probably an expectation or even a pressure that you're going to be willing to put in that overtime. Or that if there are special meetings called, that you're going to make time for those special meetings. Or if there are special company picnics or their socials, that you're going to make time to go to those. Or if, the, if your company is involved in some sort of community service project, you're going to be involved in that as well. It's very common to feel pressure from your workplace to be busy, not just during your normal working hours, but outside of those working hours as well. And if you are, receive an invitation to a party, there's a, a pressure there and, a, and an expectation that you're going to attend that party. If you have children in school and the school's doing a fundraiser, there's an expectation that you're going to be involved in helping make that fundraiser a success. If you go to the church, oftentimes there's a sense of a, of a pressure or an expectation that you're going to be involved in, in a number of different activities there. And there's this oftentimes unspoken uh, thought that if you aren't involved in multiple things, then something must be spiritually lacking in your life. I mean, I'm not saying these things are healthy. I'm just saying that these are realities that we oftentimes feel a pressure to be busy. I think that Martha probably felt that same type of pressure here in this situation as Jesus was in her house. Because in that culture, there's a a significant expectation for hospitality. That when a guest comes into your house, you're going to bend over backwards, treating that guest as royalty, making sure that a guest is welcomed in every way possible. But something's happened where Martha has lost sight of honoring her guest and, and just thinking about how special it is to have Jesus in her house. Instead, in the midst of her busyness, she's focused on all, all these other preparations and distractions that she has. I think when we're talking about the pressure of busyness, Christmas is the time where we can really feel that pressure. It's the pressure to go to the school activities, to go to the Christmas concerts, to go Christmas caroling, to... To go to parties, uh, Christmas parties at work or with friends. To go to family gatherings. Oftentimes in our own lives, we build up Christmas traditions that we feel an implicit pressure to make sure we do those things. Whether that's the annual drive around town to look at the Christmas lights. Or whether it's baking Christmas cookies. Or sending Christmas cards to a hundred of our closest friends. Or even more time consuming, writing a Christmas letter and making sure that gets out. I mean, we have all kinds of Christmas traditions that we that we feel a pressure to do. We have all kinds of other opportunities that call our name. Christmas oftentimes is the busiest time of year for people. And so we feel this pressure to be busy in our culture. Not only is there a pressure to be busy, but there's also an allure towards busyness, where I think for many of us there's an internal drive to want to be busy. That if we aren't busy, we feel like we're kind of worthless, like we're wasting our time. But if we are busy, then we feel a little bit more important, like we're accomplishing something that's really good. But in the midst of all this busyness, there's oftentimes a deception that takes place. That we feel like, okay, if we're busy, we must be accomplishing something good. If we're accomplishing something, then, then we're living a worthwhile life. But the question is, what are we really accomplishing with all of our busyness? If we do find ourselves being super busy with all kinds of things, pulling us in all different directions. Is our busyness really accomplishing anything worthwhile in life? And one question asked is this, does being busy really make us more productive? 
On one hand, it's good to be diligent in what we're doing, to have a good work ethic. I mean, those things are biblical. And so it's good to work hard, but it's not good to overwork ourselves, to push ourselves beyond, um, I mean, beyond a point of, of what's a healthful, healthy level of busyness. Um, study after study has shown, for instance, in a work environment, that once a worker works about eight or nine hours or so, if they continue to push into 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours in a workday, their efficiency and productivity goes down the tubes. And it stinks. And so it shows that just one example of how working more isn't always more productive. Another question is, does being busy make us better parents if we have children? And the answer is no. And being busy oftentimes distracts parents from their children. But oftentimes in the midst of, the, of a parent's busyness, they don't even see how their own busyness is negatively affecting their children. It's been said that children spell love, T-I-M-E. Time is love for children. It's the same with spouses, the same with friends. If we really want to invest in, in relationships around us, we must invest time in those relationships. And busyness distracts us from that. And I saw this last week on Thanksgiving Day. Um, we didn't have anything big planned for Thanksgiving Day as a family. Shelley's family was coming into town the day after Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving Day was pretty wide open, and so we decided, okay, we're going to decorate our house on Thanksgiving for Christmas. We normally do that on Black Friday, but with her family coming in town, we scooted it forward a day. So we decorated the house. It was a pretty leisurely day, um, just relaxed, spent time together. On Thanksgiving night, we went out to eat together. I say, I got through all of Thanksgiving without eating any turkey. Um, but at the end of that day, on Thanksgiving Day, a fairly leisurely day, got the house decorated and stuff, Shell, I heard Shelley say that that was one of her favorite days that she's had in a long time. Was it a productive day? Yeah, not that productive. We got the house decorated, but otherwise it wasn't super productive. But was it a valuable day? Without a doubt. It was valuable because we were able to spend quality time together. But being busy distracts us from quality time with those who mean the most to us. I mean, uh, continuing this idea of this deception of busyness, does being busy really draw us closer to God? Oftentimes it doesn't. Oftentimes, even when we're busy with church things, with ministry, if we get overly busy with church things, it can actually distract us from God. I actually find that for myself, oftentimes most of my busyness has something to do with ministry, being a pastor. But oftentimes when I get really, really busy, my walk with God begins to suffer. My heart for Him grows a little bit colder, more distracted, because I'm distracted by the ministry things. So even doing a lot of things in God's name can pull us away from Him. Now, Christmas. Does a lot of, do a lot of Christmas-related activities necessarily draw us closer to Him? I don't necessarily think so. I think when we have a lot of Christmas-related activities, whether it's church things, whether it's community things, whether it's family things, whether it's just listening to Christmas music. I mean, they can make us feel all sentimental and all warm and fuzzy and happy inside. And they can be kind of fun sometimes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're drawing us closer to Christ. Many times I think they distract us from Christ because they pull us in a lot of directions and they don't enable us to really sit at Jesus' feet and commune with Him as Mary is doing back in this passage. I think that many times our Christmas activities and the busyness we experience around Christmas are a lot like going to a graduation party. When you think about when someone, you know, graduates from high school, you, 
they have a graduation party, you go to that party. While you're at that party, though, odds are good that you don't spend that much time having a deep connection with the graduate. I mean, you may talk with them for a few minutes, say, hey, congratulations, what are you doing this summer, what are you doing next? But odds are good you don't, have, you don't connect with them really deeply in conversation at that point because they're really busy. It's a busy time. You may talk with a lot of other people. You may have some great food. You may see some fun pictures of when they were younger. But the reality is at a graduation party, you typically don't grow a lot closer to the graduate because of the busyness level of the whole thing. It's really the same thing, I think, with a lot of the Christmas activities we have, where we can be busy with a lot of things. We can, we can be trying to honor Christ, yet at the same time, it can be so distracting that we really lose sight of a deep connection with Him during the Christmas season. Sometimes the Christmas season is the most spiritually dry for people, but they don't really even recognize it because they're doing so many Christmas-related activities. So we have the question, during Christmas, and then even during the rest of the year, how do we keep that focus on Christ even amidst all the other busyness? Putting it a different way, how do we have a merry heart in a Martha world? A merry heart being one that focuses on Christ. I mean, you see what Mary did here? She's sitting here at Jesus' feet, just listening to him, taking it all in. And Jesus commends her for that. He says in verse 42 that Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, look, Mary's here at my feet. She, she's cherishing this time with me, and I'm not going to tell her to go do something else. She wants to be here with me. I mean, just think about what that would be like to be Mary right there in Jesus' presence, just soaking it all in from him. But we have the same opportunity. Maybe not to physically see it at Jesus' feet, but to have that life-giving relationship with him. All the busyness and distractions can pull our attention away from him, but we still have the opportunity to commune with him similarly to what Mary was doing. But I want to point out something here. Jesus says that Mary has chosen what is better. She made a choice that she is going to prioritize Jesus. Martha, even as she's busy in the kitchen, could have still been prioritizing Jesus in her preparations. But instead, she got so focused on the activities of what she was doing that she lost complete sight of the reason for her preparations. And we too have to make an intentional choice, just like Mary did, if we really want to stay focused on Christ amidst busy seasons of life. We have to choose to focus on Him. I want to give us three ways that can help us, in a practical sense, focus on Christ, whether it's during Christmas or any other time of year. And the first thing we need to make sure we do if we want to keep that focus on Christ is to decide what's really most important for you. Is what's most important to you Christ? Is it family? Is it your job? Is it your school? Is it some hobby? Something else? I mean, you can put a couple of different things on your list that are most important to you, but probably not more than two or three. But it's very important that we choose what is really most important to us, because if we don't choose what's most important, important to us and do that intentionally, maybe even write that down, it's going to be very easy for the opportunities that come our way to gain importance, more and more importance in our lives, even if they don't align with what's most important. Because when someone comes and asks, hey, can you do this? If we don't have a filter through which to kind of process, okay, is that something that's really going to help me accomplish what's most important to me, or is that going to pull me off course? If we don't have that filter of already deciding what's most important, odds are good we're going to get pulled in some other direction 
right? A lot of good opportunities, but they'll distract us from what's most important. Several, I mean, a number of years ago, there was a really good little booklet written by Charles Hummel that's called Tyranny of the Urgent. In this book, he talks, he compares the things that are urgent to the things that are important. He says oftentimes those, those urgent things that call for our attention the most loudly, and that's what we focus most of our attention on rather than the things that are most important. He says in that book that we live in a constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that the important task rarely must be done today or even this week. Extra hours of prayer and Bible study can wait. But the urgent tasks call for instant action. The things that are urgent that come across our, our desk, come across our attention or our radar screen, I mean, they're calling for our attention really loudly, and oftentimes we give most of our energy and attention to those things. And as we do so, we lose sight of what's most important. So we need to start by clarifying what is the most important to me. Is it Christ, family, some other things? We start by clarifying those. And then, secondly, we make a stop-doing list. Now, you may know what a to-do list is. A to-do list is where you list out the things you need to do in a particular day or a particular week. To-do lists can be very helpful. But what happens is that as we add things to our to-do list, we end up, we oftentimes don't take things off the list of what we're already doing. And so we end up with super crowded schedules and calendars where as we add more and more to our to-do our to list, we get busier and busier and busier, distracted from what's most important. So at some point, we need to actually make a stop doing list where we look at our lives and think, okay, what am I doing right now that really doesn't need to be done? That is not helping me pursue the things that are most important in my life. We need the freedom to say no. To say, you know what? That, that sounds like a good opportunity you're presenting to me. Or this seems like this is something I've done for years. But I'm going to have to say no this time. Now, we may think that we're not going to be the most popular person if we do that. I mean, people may not understand. But it's a matter of us prioritizing what is most important to us. And that's even true during this Christmas season. That there are going to be lots of opportunities for us to be busy. But there may be some things that we need to say no to, even though they would be good things, even though others would like it if we do those things. But if we really want to keep ourselves from getting distracted from focusing on Christ, we may very well have to say no to some things. I already told someone this Christmas season that they should say no to something that's going on here in the church because they're already so busy with so many other things. I think we all need to feel that freedom to stop doing some of the things that we're currently doing or to say no to other opportunities so that we can focus in on what's most important. One of the other things I really admire is when people make big life-changing decisions that show their priorities. Uh, one of the examples I see is a few people I know here in the church have made decisions with their, with their uh, careers that really put them in less than ideal career situations in terms of less money, or um, maybe a job they don't like as much. But they choose this job. They choose not to move up the corporate ladder because they want to prioritize their family. They realize if they accept that promotion or if they go pursue a job that they could easily get, they would not be able to get or they wouldn't be able to spend as much time with their family. They may have to work more evenings, more weekends, travel more. I really respect the decision that these individuals have made that shows the priority on their family. We need to make sure that we have our priorities straight, what's most important to us, and live according to those, even if it means that we don't do everything that comes our way. 
And the final way that we can prioritize what's most important is by establishing rhythms of activity and rest. I have a question for you. I'm going to give you three words, and I want you to tell me what they have in common. Here are the three words. Murder, adultery, and workaholism. Murder, adultery, being a workaholic. What do you think those three have in common? Their sin? Yes, they are all, they are all sin. Can you be more specific on what they might all have connected with each other? What's that? They all kill something? Well, yeah, they definitely could. What's that? Self-control? Self, yeah, Ten Commandments. Um, yeah, all those things were true. Um, but one of the things to recognize here is those are all part of the Ten Commandments. I mean, Ten Commandments are really God's top ten of things that if we, don't, if we do these things or don't do these things, they're going to have a big impact on our walk with God. Ten Commandments say don't murder, don't commit adultery, keep the Sabbath holy. If, I'm not, I'm not going to get on a big soapbox about you must set aside one day a week and do nothing on that day. But there is a, a pattern that God has set out for us, a, p- a pattern of activity and rest. The biblical pattern is six days of work, six days of activity, one day of rest. And establishing that healthy rhythm of activity and rest in our lives is incredibly important for helping us be able to keep ourselves devoted to Christ and be healthy in terms of balancing everything in our lives. I think we need a healthy rhythm of activity and rest, even on a daily basis. Uh, for instance, by setting aside time on a daily basis to spend with God in Scripture and prayer is a great practice to get into, no matter how busy we are. On a weekly basis, I think it's helpful to set aside a day to just rest, devote to God, devote to family. Even on an annual basis, thinking about vacations. Vacations can be very important in terms of helping us keep a healthy balance in life. And I'll say, to be honest with you, I'm preaching this message as much to myself as anyone else here. Because I need to hear these things. For me, it's very easy to go, 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 go. Um, I feel like I have a pretty high capacity for busyness in my life. One of the things I recognize, though, is that the busier I get, the more those important things in life suffer. I remember back... In my first four months here at Freedens, um, back in 2009, I literally didn't take a day off in those first four months. No one told me I shouldn't take a day off. People were encouraging me to take days off. But there is that implicit drive inside of me to want to work hard. And I enjoy ministry. I mean, it's not a burden for me typically. But what happened was that my walk with God was slowly suffering. My heart towards him was getting a little bit colder. My time with Shelley was suffering a little bit as well. That's what happens when we get, allow ourselves to get distracted by busyness. So we need to be intentional, and I'm including myself in this, to, to really clarify in our minds what's most important and live by those priorities. And to be willing to say no, even to some things that may be good things to do. And also to establish healthy rhythms in life. And I recognize that as a pastor of a church, which is a uh, volunteer type of organization, it might be a scary thing to tell people, you know what, it's fine for you to say no. Um, but I think that it's by far the healthiest if we do have a healthy balance and don't overwork ourselves even in ministry, but that we have that healthy balance of activity and rest, of doing one or two things really well rather than spreading ourselves too thin with five or six different good things. My prayer is that through this Christmas season and really throughout our lives that we will be men and women 
We were able to stay devoted to Christ and devoted to our other priorities in life rather than allowing ourselves to get pulled in a thousand different directions by a lot of the good things that make us busy. May we, like Mary, focus on the best thing, which is Christ and then our families. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that in this world it's so easy to get caught up in a lot of busyness, especially during this Christmas season. There are so many things, Lord, that that call us in so many different directions, and a lot of these are very good things. But Lord, I pray that you will give us each discipline that we need to set aside time to spend with you, to spend with family, to focus on the most important things, Lord, even to say no at times when it may be difficult. Lord, I pray that this will not be a Christmas season where we get so caught up in the hoopla and the busyness that our walk with you goes downhill. But I pray that you will help us to fix our eyes on you and to stay devoted to you, Lord, growing closer to you even as everything around us is hectic and chaotic with the busyness of the season. In Jesus' name.